and it's time for the WIP Mystery Theater. Why don't you join us? Just sit back and relax, if you can. <laughs> technological world. Yet more and more people find that science does not explain life. With one hand it has blessed us, with the other it has polluted our planet. And so many have turned, for their peace of mind, to psychic phenomena. Our tale today concerns one man's desperate attempt to make real the world of the occult before it destroys his life forever. Gwen, what's that sign on the floor of the tool shed? It's called the Devil's Mark. It's as old as the Druids. I can see it's old and faded. But what does it mean? When a witch is initiated into the Devil's service, Satan puts that mark upon her as a token of his authority over her. What do you suppose it's doing on the floor of the tool shed? Robbie, that is something I hope never to find out. mystery drama, The Tool Shed, was adapted from a story by Henry James, especially for the Mystery Theater by G. Frederick Lewis, and stars John Vickery. I shall return shortly with Act One. What do doctors recommend to avoid constipation? These days, doctors stress the importance of dietary fiber to help the system regulate itself naturally. Metamucil is the laxative made from natural fiber. No chemical stimulants. That's why doctors recommend Metamucil more often than any other laxative. Try Metamucil powder or pre-measured packets of Metamucil Instant Mix in regular or orange flavor and save 50 cents. Look for the coupon in June's Reader's Digest. Read label and follow directions. Master Mechanic tools sold exclusively by True Value Hardware Stores are an unbeatable combination of quality and value. Hi, Pat Summerall to tell you the Master Mechanic 6-gallon wet-dry vacuum is designed for heavy-duty cleanups in your garage or workshop. It picks up water as well as nails, ashes, and other debris and comes complete with accessories, all for just $52.28. Plus, it's backed by the Master Mechanic promise of satisfaction or free replacement at participating True Value hardware stores and home centers. It's athletes versus MS, multiple sclerosis. This is Frank Gifford spreading the word about a dynamic new team which is banding together to help stop MS, the terrible crippler of young adults. Multiple sclerosis is a crippling disease of the central nervous system which generally strikes in the prime of one's life from 20 to 40. But the sports world is fighting back against MS. People like Hank Aaron, Tom Seaver, John Havlicek, and Joe DiMaggio, Frank, that's me. Baseball has always been a big part of my life. It's a game where you learn quickly about the beat MS, multiple sclerosis. Athletes like Billie Jean King, Hank Aaron, Muhammad Ali, Lee Trevino, and so many others all are spreading the word that MS is their cause and asking everyone to join the fight against MS. There's no cure yet, but there's hope through research. Join us. Support your local chapter of the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. years. Even then, the secret art of the metaphysical was already centuries old. The leading exponent of that esoteric science is the British author Martin Hazeltine, who has just published a book that has raised Victorian hackles, eyebrows, and fears, which is why our curtain rises on the sanctum sanctorum of the London Times, the office of its distinguished editor, T.R. Purcell. Robinson, have you completed your feature story in Epping Forest? Yes, I have, dear. Queen Victoria gave a nice speech, said that from now on, Epping Forest was the preserve of all the English people, a gift from the crown, etc., etc. Ah, how did the old girl look? <laughs> Considering she's 71, she's in fine health and great spirits. 
said something interesting, that the world should go back to nature, to the natural, that we're too preoccupied with the strange and secret arts. And I think she was talking about Hazeltine's mumbo-jumbo. Mumbo-jumbo? Yes, all that mumbo-jumbo in that book he wrote that's spreading like wildfire. Uh-huh. That's why I called you into my office. I went to school with Hazeltine. Actually, I was just graduating as he was entering, but I know him. I have arranged for you to go down to Dover to get an exclusive interview. The first he has ever given to anyone. Gee, ha, that's a fabulous assignment. I've always wanted to meet him. I think he'll take to you, Robinson. Start with his current novel, Gods of Egypt. There's no question it is influencing the growing cult of adherence to black magic in England and through the continent. Black magic exists in America, too, I understand. I hear that certain passages in Hazeltine's book are being used by worshippers of the occult and more and more have begun to practice the black mass. Is that evil? Check the files, Robinson, for unexplained suicides. That will tell you. Practitioners who have jumped to their death from bell towers, even from the Dover Cliffs, where Hazeltine lives. There's no explanation. The ones who have survived claim they believed they had wings and would fly. Opium? Possibly. When do I go? Hazeltine expects you down in Dover tomorrow, so catch the earliest train you can. And Robinson... Yes, T.R.? Disabuse yourself of the notion that all this is mumbo-jumbo, as you call it. It is very real. Train! Robinson Train, is that you? Mr. Hazeltine, sir. I didn't expect you to meet me at the station. Why not? The morning trains are always on time. Good trip. I was reading Gods of Egypt. Time went very quickly. Ah, good man, good man. Doing your homework? No, for pleasure. It's the third time. You don't say so. How's <laughs> Purcell? Oh, T.R. Just fine. And he sends you his regards, and he's grateful you're giving the Times this interview. I can't think why he didn't ask me before this. I've been in print for 20 years. Come along, we'll walk it. Uh, can you manage that bag? Oh, yes, sir. And you'll have to stop calling me, sir. Call me Martin. I, uh, gather quite a tornado has blown over gods of Egypt. It's all history. I set the novel against what happened, what people used to believe in. Don't know why they make such a fuss over it today. Actually, what I'd like to do is a kind of short biography, a profile of you. Not full face. (laughs) The author at work, I know that kind of thing. Now, my door is open to you. You will meet my wife, my secretary. I have a little boy, marvelous child, he's seven and... Well, write whatever you wish to write. You said too much attention was being paid to the gods of Egypt. Misdirected attention. That's why I agreed to have you come by. I want to set the record straight. I don't believe in witchcraft once scrap never did, never will. But there is a purely historical background to my novels. I'll certainly be glad to help you, as you say, set the record straight. Oh, no, no. This is our house. Uh, One thing more, Robinson. You may find my little family have some peculiar beliefs, habits, quirks. (laughs) Things that appear different to you. Take them at the face value. Don't interpret their actions. Well, here's the gate. What a view. The channel's very calm today, isn't it? Uncommonly so. When? Gwendolyn, come and meet a top-notch feature writer from the Times. That beautiful girl walking toward us, believe it or not, is from America. She's my secretary. Very good, too. Helps my wife with the housekeeping, taking care of the little boy. Ah, Gwen, Gwen, I'd like you to meet Robinson Crane. He's going to write about us. Uh, How do you do, Miss... Uh, you can call her Gwen. Everyone does. Uh, yes. Oh, how do you do? You mind if I call you Robbie? <laughs> Not at all. I suppose you Americans give everyone nicknames. Martin, may I see you alone a moment? No, no, you may not. 
You may talk to me here or not. No, but... There are no buts. It's about Dorothy. If you'll excuse us, Robbie. Uh, You will not, and I will not. I told this young man he is to write about us as he sees us, warts and all. No secrets, nothing held back. Dorothy is my wife, and Gwen here acts as a kind of mother hen. Dorothy is a very nervous person. Your boy, Hermes, has run off somewhere and Dorothy can't find him. Come along, Robinson. I'll introduce you to Mrs. Hazeltine and we'll have a go at finding Hermes. Gwen, my dear, lead the way. I'm beside myself with worry, Martin. Hermes has disappeared. Well, Gwen will find him. If I can't find him, she can't. We'll see. Remember, Dorothy, my telling you about T.R. Purcell? We shared Cambridge briefly. He left as I entered. (laughs) The editor of the London Times. Well, he has sent this young man to observe us in our native habitat and write a feature. His name is Robinson Crane. How do you do, Mr. Crane? As you can see, Robinson, Dorothy is the most formal member of our little tribe. And now, Gwen, where shall we look for our little truant? Dorothy, what about the tool shed? The tool shed? I looked in there. Besides, Hermes has been warned not to go in. He wouldn't. It's worth another try. Let me go. I'll do it. I'm the boy's mother, thank you. If I find him in there, I'll give him what for. Of course, she uh, won't do anything like that. (laughs) She won't even scold him. She'll kiss him and make great fuss. My wife is devoted to our son, and I don't take that lightly. You see, our boy was born mute. Mute? That is sad. Yes. We've taken him to every specialist in England and Europe. They can't find anything wrong, organically. It's a puzzle. But they don't even hold out any hope for Hermes. His name is Hermes. H-E-R-M-E-S. Actually, the name was Gwen's idea. It's the Greek for the Egyptian god Toth. You might say... Hermes was the very first god of the occult. It's a very pretty name. Uh, Let us uh, get into the house. And I'll show you your room where you can unpack, and I will open the bottle. Uh, What's your preference? The grain or the grape? The scotch will be fine. But I wasn't planning on staying. I thought we'd talk all day, and then I'd take the evening train back to London. Don't be ridiculous. What kind of a profile do you think you could do on Martin Hazeltine in a few hours? (laughs) Matter of fact, I did come prepared for the weekend. Come in and join us, Dorothy. Bring your little friend. Gwen, Robinson and I are enjoying the taste of the Highland pot still. So you found the little runaway, did you? Uh, Gwen, be a good girl. Pour Dorothy a tumblerful. No, thank you. Nothing at all. Oh, Hermes, darling, sit still on Mummy's lap. You're right. He's a handsome little boy. We think so. And he's seven years old. Just. Aren't you, Hermes, darling? Hermes? This is Robinson Crane. He's from the London Times, a very big, influential newspaper. He's going to do a story about us. Where were you, son? In the tool shed, just as Gwen said, sitting on the floor. I can't understand it. He wasn't there when I looked before. It's his magic carpet. Wish I had a place I could disappear from sometimes. Is there something about the tool shed that's dangerous? Oh, how stupid of me, of course. Sharp garden tools. He's right. We should keep it locked up. What garden tools? Nothing is stored in there. Oh, Dorothy, you know it's completely empty. Always has been. Hermes just likes to go there and sit on the floor. Hermes, come to your father. Dorothy, let him go. Well, if you won't put a padlock on the door, I will. Dorothy, did you hear what I said? Let the boy go so that he can come to me. I'm taking him upstairs to bed. Up. We go. To bed? It's not his bedtime. Time for his nap. Mr. Crane, I hope you enjoy your stay with us. Martin will have a lot to tell you about his books, I'm sure. Mrs. Hazeltine, I think the Times readers would like very much to know the feelings of the wife of a great writer, especially what you think of his books. I'm sorry I shan't be able to accommodate you. I have not read any of them, and I don't intend to. Well, Robbie, 
What do you think? You've been here most of the day, had dinner with us, and observed the Hazeltine family at home. I don't know what to think, Gwen. Martin said you'd been working for him for seven years. Mm-hmm. Since I was 18. I came as a replacement typist and stayed on. Gwen, while it's still light, I'm fascinated by the tool shed. Could you take me to see it? Certainly. Uh, we better take a lantern. There are no windows and it's dark in there. Interesting you should want to see it. Do you know why you do? Curiosity, I guess. Hmm. It's as though something inside me tells me the story on Martin Hazeltine begins in the tool shed. <laughs> Don't ask me why. I couldn't tell you. I'll get the lantern and we'll go see for ourselves. had been here for a long time. I mean, is it old? Mm, a few hundred years. In the 1500s, it was built by a widow. She lived in this tiny room. She was accused of being a witch and was stoned to death. And then, a few hundred years later, it was repaired and became a dairy for the people who owned the house. <laughs> a dairy? Mm-hmm. Where the milk was separated and they made butter. The local farmers will tell you every time the milk was brought here, a cow died. And finally, the family who lived here gave up and, well, became a tool shed. It smells musty in here. <laughs> I shouldn't wonder. No, not musty. More like incense. Something was burned here. Who knows? There are those in the village who won't visit Martin because of this little building. It's still associated with cows dying. Well, you know how country people are. They say the vicar should come and exorcise the devil here. It's haunted. Cast the spell. Does Mrs. Hazeltine believe that? I don't know what she believes. Gwen. Hmm? Would you shine your lantern on the floor over there? I thought I saw... Gwen. What's that? That design on the floor? Oh, it has some cabalistic meaning. But there's not a book I can find written about it. I can barely make out an eight-pointed red star in three circles of black. Quite faded. It must have been here a long time. And you haven't any idea what that sign represents. Oh, I didn't say that. I said there's no book on it. I do know it's as old as the Druids. It's called the Devil's Mark. Never heard of it. The Devil's Mark was acquired by a witch at her initiation into the Devil's Service. It's the mark that Satan places on a witch as a token of his authority over her. And what do you suppose it's doing in this tool shed? To coin a bad pun, I'd say, mystery loves company. A young English newspaper writer has stumbled upon what may be the heart of a mystery. A tool shed containing a satanic sign. Does it dominate an author, his wife, their mute child? The only way to find out is to stay with us until the curtain rises again on Act Two. Hello, my name's Victor Cayenne. I was a dedicated blade shaver until my wife bought me a Remington microscreen shaver. They told her it shaved as close as a blade or she could return it with the sales slip within 30 days and get her money back. Remington has two microscreens. The first microscreen shaves incredibly close. The second microscreen shaves even closer. I was so impressed, I bought the company. The Remington microscreen shaves as close as a blade, or I'll give you your money back. Available at all Kmart stores. For over three quarters of a century, Buick has enjoyed a reputation for having fine, luxurious cars. We're very proud of that. It's a reputation that grows every year. 1982 was no exception. There was the introduction of the new century and the small Buick Skyhawk. And while each Buick lives up to the name, there are refinements and improvements on everything from the full-size Electra down the line. You see, the Buick reputation isn't just something we ride on. It's something we build on. I'm lost and lonely, scared and sad I'm trembling at the thought of making me mad My love is yours, but at times you're so cold If it lasts like this, take me before I This song about child abuse was written by a man who has served time in a state prison. It tells how he felt growing up as an abused child. 
Many of the social problems in America today spring directly from child abuse. Yet, with enough knowledge and enough money, child abuse can be prevented. Help us get to the heart of the problem. Write Prevent Child Abuse, Box 2866, Chicago, Illinois, 60690. of the Ad Council and the National Committee for Prevention of Child Abuse. It's a good question to ask oneself. How much should one dabble in the unknown? Dig at the mystery of the supernatural. Probe into the paranormal. Back a hundred years in the England of Queen Victoria. Avant-garde author Martin Hazeltine did just that. Was it worth it? Ah, Robinson. Mind if I poke my head into your room? Not at all, Martin. I'm glad you're still up. Would you like to come to my study and have a start at the formal interview? I certainly would. Not too late for you. Well, I'm used to late nights. By the way, I hope you don't mind. After dinner, I asked Gwen to show me the tool shed. I hope you won't regard it as snooping. I promised T.R. you would have a free reign. So she probably showed you that primitive drawing on the floor. Mm, the devil's mark. Gwen is quite a bright girl, but about that, she is mistaken. Let us go to my study. So it's not the devil's mark, as Gwen said. Similar, yes. The star and circles. But the real devil's mark was always found on a person's body. In the old days, in these parts, actually, any birthmark was considered a sign of Satan. Does Mrs. Hazeltine believe the tool shed has some mystic powers? I doubt it. The only fetish she subscribes to, and you've observed that, is her complete, uh, uh, how can I put it? A complete subjugation of our son. No one else can come near him. It's been that way since he was a baby. It's as if Hermes was Dorothy's captive. Is it true she's never read any of your books? So she says. I've no way of proving it. They're all over the house. Where did you meet Mrs. Hazeltine? In Egypt. Her parents were missionaries who turned to archaeology. But your wife didn't follow in their footsteps. Oh, yes, yes, she did. But just one week after I arrived, she suffered the terrible shock of seeing both her parents fall from the top of an Egyptian tomb to the edge of a Nile below. They died? A terrible tragedy. The fall broke their necks. I, I, I hoped Dorothy would recover when she returned to England. I saw something of her, started writing, and then lost track of her. Then one day I went to the British Museum where she was working and uh, I asked her to marry me. Now you can understand her reluctance to dip into the pool of the unknown. Uh, excuse me. Gwen, what on earth are you doing up at this hour? Martin, I think you should go to the boys' room. There's something wrong. Thank you. Thank you for telling me. I will be back as soon as I can, Robinson. Would you like to continue the interview in the no, morning? Not at all. I, I do my best thinking at night. I hope I won't have the same trouble with Dorothy. I always have. What does he mean, Gwen? The same trouble he always has. The same trouble? It's a constant battle between those two. Has been ever since Hermes was born. Oh, Dorothy's always been afraid the boy will fall under his father's influence, particularly his writings. But he's not nearly old enough to read those complicated books yet. She's never explicit about her fear. All I can say is, Dorothy believes the boy's mind will be damaged by any association with his father. Such a beautiful child. Mm. Hard to believe nothing can be done about his affliction. Oh, but Hermes can hear and understand everything you say. It's just that he's unable to talk. Gwen, pour me a drink. Is the boy all right? I am not to know. Not to know? Dorothy has locked herself into his room. 
and will not let me in. Oh, not again. I think this has gone about as far as it can. Martin, what are you going to do? What can you do? Tonight, instead of sleeping, I shall try to come up with a plan of action. Children, I bid you good night. Oh, uh, before I forget, uh, Robinson, here is the first chapter of the new book. I thought of calling it Demons of the Mind. I'd like you to look at it. Now, my chickens, off you go to roost. Martin Hazeltine needs to be alone, and action is what is called for. Good night, good night. And uh, close the door after you, will you? Good night. Oh, he's, he's being bitter, resentful, sardonic. He's deeply unhappy about all this. He loves Hermes. He adores the child. Why does his wife do that? Do you know... But she's never asked for one page he's written? Yes, she mentioned it. It's hard to understand. Mm. I hope your visit will help. Me? Being here? Well, for one thing, Robbie, you are the very first person he's ever let see any work in progress. There's a, a sympathy between you. I can tell. He certainly has my sympathy. I'm honored to read this. Perhaps it's not too much to hope that Dorothy will also come to like you. Maybe you can be the catalyst that brings the two of them together. What's that? I smell smoke. Smoke? Where's my other slipper? Robbie, what are you doing up at three in the morning? I could ask you the same question. I was reading and suddenly I smelled smoke. So did I. Where's it coming from? Outside. I mean, there's a fire out there. Well, I checked the kitchen. It's not in the house. There's a double lock on this front door. Here, let me. It's coming from down there. Where the tool shed is. Let me open the tool shed door. Could be dangerous. I don't understand this. I smelled smoke. I know I did. But as soon as you opened the trochet door, it went. No smell of it. Why did I tell Martin about this? If you weren't with me, he wouldn't believe it. Why wouldn't he? I don't know how much you know of Martin's books. I've read every one of them. Well, then you know with what reality he portrays the alchemy of time and sorcery. It was Martin who discovered that sign on the floor. But he disowned it. Said a devil's mark was only found on a person's body. Something was happening here just now. I wonder if we ever shall know what. Who knows? Half past three. Might as well get back to the house and use what's left of the night to sleep. Good morning, Mr. Crane. You're up earlier than I am. I'm always the first to come down to breakfast. Good morning, Mrs. Hazeltine. I just made myself some tea. Mm, did you sleep well? Oh, yes. Right through the night. Like a top. What is that you're reading? Uh, Mr. Hazeltine gave me the great privilege of the first chapter of Demons of the Mind, his new book. It's the most beautifully written introduction to life after death I've ever read. He introduces his characters from two worlds. He believes there's another world existing at the same time as ours and we don't die. It's to that world that we depart. The same with birth. Mr. Crane, I want you to stop. I don't wish to hear, I don't wish to know. You told me that yesterday, and I told you I'd like to ask whether the wife of a great author accepts or rejects his work, and why. I can tell you categorically, this wife does not accept. But you've never read one word he's written. Never. Nor shall I. What is it you're afraid of? Penetrating question. My parents were greatly interested in the occult of Egypt. They died strangely, unaccountably, fell to their death as if they were pushed by an invisible hand. And since that time, yes, I have feared the unknown. I don't think Martin should write what he does, and he knows how I feel. It contaminates anyone it touches. But if you were to read these few pages, only 20, it's so clearly and poetically written, it proves that there's nothing to fear. It would help you, Mrs. Hazeltine. Would it? I swear to you. I may be very young in your eyes, but there's an unhappiness in this house. And if you'll forgive my saying so, it could be put to rights if you'd let it. Robinson Crane, you are 
quite convincing. Please read it. Good morning, Dorothy. How is the boy? Not very well. What does that mean? How unwell? Does he have a fever? He seemed a little flushed and warm when I was in there. Dorothy, how long are you going to continue this drama? Locking yourself in his room, locking the door when you leave. I couldn't get in there just now. Now, why are you making a prisoner of him? I'm going out now to fetch Dr. Cook. We don't need him. I am perfectly competent to take care of my own son. I'm sorry you think so. I'm sorry about a lot of other things, too. We're going to talk about them when I come back with the doctor. Yes? Who is it? Gwen, it's me, Robinson Crane. I'm sorry to disturb you. What is it, Robbie? I was just coming down for a late breakfast. Our trip to the tool shed last night must have made me oversleep. It's been a morning of terrible scenes downstairs, and I don't know what to do. Hermes isn't well, feverish. Martin went for a doctor. The doctor wasn't there. He left word for him and came storming back. Now he's in his study. I tried to go in to talk to him about an hour ago. He called out to leave him alone. The child is worse? Oh, Robbie, look at you. Where have you been? Your feet are covered in mud. Oh, Dorothy isn't going to like that one bit. I know it wasn't my place, but I became alarmed. After Martin went to his study, I went out thinking I'd get to the nearest house. Perhaps they'd know of a doctor. I walked round and round. I was lucky to get back here at all. I was lost. Oh, Robbie, the nearest building is the railroad station. Today being Sunday, it's closed down. Whatever made you suddenly go chasing for a neighbor? After Martin wouldn't talk to me, I listened at the door of the boy's room. I could hear Mrs. Hazeltine speaking to him in a kind of strange, sing-song voice. It was all very peculiar. I tried the doorknob. It was locked. Then something came over me. One of your premonitions. I knew I had to talk to you, so I came straight down to your door. With your muddy feet. Oh, don't panic, Robbie. There have been these set-tos before, where Dorothy wouldn't let anyone come near the boy and nurse him herself. He's not a well child. I'll go see. She'll let me in. If there's something really wrong, you'll come right out and tell me, won't you? Dorothy? Dorothy, it's Gwen. How is Hermes this morning? Dorothy, are you in there? Oh, it's open. It's not locked. Dorothy? She's not in there. Well, the room's empty. Oh, she's taken Hermes into her room. She sleeps in a separate room from Martin. Two doors down the hall. Dorothy? Dorothy? Are you in here? There's no one in this room either. She's gone. Oh. She's gone with the boy. Could they be somewhere else in the house? There is nowhere else. If you came in downstairs, you would have seen them. She's taken Hermes with her. She's never done that before. On the windswept over coast stands a house, inside of which lives a novelist, his wife, their seven-year-old son, and a young secretary. There is no other house for miles. This house, with its vacant tool shed, adorned with cabalistic signs, is like a world unto itself, alone. What is the key to the mysterious actions of those we have met? I am not revealing too much when I tell you it lies in a boy who cannot speak. Perhaps a reincarnation of the god after whom he was named. I shall return shortly with Act Three. Weekdays on CBS Television. Wake up to comedy with One Day at a Time. You really think you're hot stuff, don't you, Schneider? Ladies in this building, don't call me super for nothing. Then, keep laughing as Mel lays down the law on Alice. There is only one rule in the restaurant business, Vera. Get them to swallow it. And to The Price is Right with the priceless Bob Barker. That's One Day at a Time. Alice and The Price is Right. Weekdays on CBS Television. Check your local listings for the time. Sid Hermel, Topol user. You are a... Uh... Pipe smoker. Fairly heavy. Does it affect your teeth? You always get this tar, this stain, this discoloration. He used Topol Smoker's Tooth Polish. It certainly removed the accumulation of these stains and tars. Topol Smoker's Tooth Polish with three ingredients to clean and polish helps remove ugly tobacco stains. 
gentle enough for everyday use. My wife said, look at your beautiful taste now. You're kissable. Topol, fluoride in red or mint flavor in the blue package. Use only as directed. Hello, this is Max Moran. Do you have a sight problem that prevents you from reading? I've got good news for you about Choice Magazine Listening, a free service. Every other month, Choice Magazine Listening will send you free, on phonograph records, eight hours of selections from leading magazines featuring writers like William Styron, Joyce Carol Oates, John McPhee, Kurt Vonnegut, Art Buckwald, many others. So if you are blind or unable to read regular print, or if you know someone with this problem, write to Listening, Box 10, Port Washington, New York, 11050. We'll also tell you how to get the special record player provided free by the Library of Congress as part of its talking book program. So, write Listening, Box 10, Port Washington, New York, 11050, or telephone 516-883-8280. That's 516-883-8280. A public service message on behalf of the nonprofit Lucerna Fund. The mystery of the boy and his mother who disappeared from the house on the coast of Devon has not been solved. The police are called in, Scotland Yard is asked to help, and finally, Robinson Crane feature writer for the London Times, unable to complete his assignment, returned to the city. Weeks pass. Robinson. Yes, T.R. I called you in this morning because there's been a development in the Hazeltine affair. I just got word the boy was found, but the mother is still missing. Fantastic. How is he? That's one of the things I want you to find out. Take the first train out of Victoria, get yourself over there. Have you read what I wrote on him and his family? I did the best I could to give it an ending. Yes, I went over it last night. The only trouble is it ends with a question mark. After I get down there, maybe I can change that question mark. I'm hopeful. It needs an exclamation point at the end. Why did she keep her son from his father? I touched on that. Oh, barely. You never explain what's behind her fear. And finally, now that the boy has been returned or found or whatever, where was he? And who kidnapped him? Dear, the child is mute. He can't talk. Tragedy. But he can hear. Oh, yes. Nothing's wrong with his hearing. Is he old enough to write out answers to questions? I don't know. Maybe. Simple answers. I only saw him once. You will be seeing him again in a matter of hours. I wish you well. It's a strange house filled with strange people in a very superstitious part of England. Just wish me safety. Robbie, Robbie, it's me. When? Robbie, I never expected to see you again. What are you doing in Devon? What are you doing at the station? You didn't know I was coming down here, did you? This is unbelievable. Martin sent me. <laughs> Martin said, go to the noon train. Someone's arriving and I want you to meet him. It doesn't make sense. Oh, yes, it does. He's psychic. He knew. Is it true Hermes was found? How is he? I'm not going to tell you. You'll see for yourself when you get to the house. Come on, let's walk. Gwen, you can at least tell me, is the boy in good health? He was sick when he disappeared with Mrs. Hazeltine. It's as if nothing happened to him. He's bright and cheerful. It makes such a difference. What does? You did know they haven't found Dorothy. She's still missing. How did they find Hermes? They didn't. The police were amazed. I'll show you where it happened. And Martin, how's he? A changed man. His son is with him all the time. And you, Gwen? How are you? I'm not sure, Robbie. It's a little like living on a tightrope. Why do you do it? You're a sensible girl. Could get any kind of work anywhere. Nice of you, Robbie, to care about my future. But I couldn't leave here. You're going to spend a lifetime being Martin's right-hand man? <laughs> I mean, woman. <laughs> if you'll let me. But he's married. You'll never mean that much to him. I know that. Are you hoping she'll never come back? For now, I can take very good care of both the men in the Hazeltine family. The little one and the big one. Robbie, before we go into the gate, I want you to know that I love Martin. 
Oh, maybe he's much older than I am, but that doesn't matter to me. So long as I can be near him, that's all I want. I respect that, Gwen. Sorry if I talked out of turn. This isn't the way to the house. Why are we turning off? You asked me where Hermes was found. That's where I'm taking you. He was found right here, on your property. Huh? Down there. He wasn't. No, he wasn't. Yes. In the tool shed. Sitting in the middle of the floor as if nothing had ever happened. As if weeks hadn't passed. As if the tool shed hadn't been combed through a dozen times. As if the whole countryside hadn't been searched. There he was. Incredible. When did you say the police looked there last? Exactly what Martin wanted to know. Do you know what the constable told him? I haven't a clue. The day before, the very day before, we found him. They even placed a tape across the door, which we pulled off. Unbelievable. But I do believe you. That beautiful little boy was sitting right in the center of that star and the circles. Oh, I needn't tell you, Martin still won't acknowledge it's a devil's mark. I'm anxious to talk to him. Let's go into the house. Yes, Robinson. I am a changed man. That is, to some degree. I still worry about Dorothy. Did she leave of her own accord? Did someone take them both? Can't you get an answer from Hermes in some way? It's hopeless. He actually knows nothing. It's as if that little boy's mind went blank for all those weeks he was missing. By the way, where is Hermes? I was hoping he'd be right here in your study, sitting on your lap, Martin. That's where he generally is, on the lap of his papa. I put him to bed for his new nap. But I uh, I think he'd like to wake up and greet his Uncle Robinson. I told Uncle Robinson where we found him. In the tool shed, as if by miracle. You're right. It was definitely a miracle. That must be the workman. I'll go. If uh, Robbie's staying and hasn't eaten, will you do something about that, Gwen? Yes, I will. Go along. I have eaten, and as for staying, I plan to until I can wind up this story. I know that between the two of you, there are a dozen things left unsaid. Oh, don't fret, Robbie. You know enough about the great Hazeltine to write three stories. But not what my editor wants to know. By the way, that manuscript chapter you read of Demons of the Mind, he tore it up and started all over again. It's much less fearful and more hopeful. Do you mean he now feels that one can make contact with that other world? Yes. And all those people in the darker ages of man who were persecuted for being sorcerers and witches actually did step into our world from another. Gwen, is that the secret? Are you saying that that's where Dorothy and Hermes disappeared to? They stepped into another world? It would explain a lot, wouldn't it? Why, the boy's mind is a total blank. Does Martin believe it? That's what he's been comforting himself with all these weeks. What is it? You look white. They, uh... They found Dorothy. She's dead. Oh. Where? I'm not in the tool shed. At the foot of the cliff. Straight down from the rock facing the water. Her neck broken as if she'd fallen from a great height. Gwen, it's the irony of it. You mean because that's the way her mother and father died? In Egypt. Maybe it's not a joke of fate at all, Martin. Maybe it was preordained. I knew there was a reason we hit it off so well, Robinson. He sounds like one of us, doesn't he, Gwen? He's got that intuitive reasoning. (laughs) May I see, Hermes? Gwen, our roving reporter is in for a surprise, isn't he? Give me two minutes to wake him and wash his face. Didn't I tell you he was a magnificent father? And I want to tell the boy he's about to be interviewed by the London Times. Two minutes, and then you two come in. All right? My notebook and pencil will be ready. You can come closer, Robinson. You've met my son Hermes before. I certainly have. I heard you were away, Hermes. I'm glad you're back. I'm you. Did he speak? I mean, did he actually say thank you? I have an exceedingly polite son. Oh, yes. Hermes can speak, and speak he does very well. 
Don't you, my angel? Oh, no. Wayne, he knows my name. This is fantastic. Papa? Papa? Yes, my boy. Papa is here. He will always be here. Martin and I were the ones who found him. Suddenly we were sitting here, and we had this feeling right here in this room. It came over us so strongly. And without saying a word, we found our... That's what he said. His first words. Of course, he'd been hearing them for years, but he never said them. Have you told any doctors about this miraculous... Not yet. Not yet. Gwen and I have been too busy enjoying his new ability to speak. Now I shall dress our little friend and we shall meet you outside and say ten minutes. And the four of us will take a walk. Hermes, it was a great pleasure for me to see you so well. I'm going to have to go back to London now, but I look forward to my next visit. You're really going, Robbie? Yes, back to write that happy ending and try to give T.R. the answers he wants. I'll walk you to the gate. I'll have to guess. I realize I'll never know where the child appeared from and why he speaks now. Any more than why he could never speak before. It's the kind of miracle one prays for. And when it happens, you shouldn't look too closely. I could, I suppose, give you Martin's explanation. I'd like to hear it. He's always said that what was on the floor of the tool shed was not the devil's mark. Hermes had such a mark when he was born. Martin found it. A tiny star inside a tiny circle in the crook of the infant's elbow. Was it placed there by an evil power in some other world? And that's why the boy remained mute? Possibly. Who can be sure? It doesn't explain why suddenly he can talk now. Oh, but it does. You see, the mark on Hermes is gone now. It's disappeared. So it'll be a new chapter, T.R. For Martin Hazeltine. In fact, a whole new book. That's the way I'm going to finish off the profile. You know that manuscript at the beginning of the book he was writing? The one he gave me to read called Demons of the Mind? It was a personal statement. Huh? Who was he writing about? My guess is it was his wife, Dorothy. She must have exercised some kind of dark magic on Hazeltine. And when they shared the making of a son, she tried to keep the boy away from Martin's healthy mind. If indeed Dorothy was controlled from the wrong side of the mirror, she failed. Martin's torn up the old chapters and the old life and is starting over. Any idea what the new book will be about? About a man beginning again. No spooks, no cults, no strings with the past. A man who found his voice and learned to speak. A book about Martin and his own son. strange story, and yet one full of directional signs to follow. You wonder, at least I do, how many of these marks of the devil are meaningful, or how many are just plain superstition. After all, in Russia, in Degania's day, a little mole on the left cheek was regarded as an evil omen, and we know man has been persecuted for less than that. In other words, Conclusions are something which, even today, we shouldn't jump to. I shall return shortly. If you'd like to take advantage of the current high interest rates in today's money market, but want your money available when you need it, take a moment now to call this toll-free number, 800-228-5000. Ask the operator to send you information on Dreyfus Liquid Assets. Find out just how much income growth you can get from one of the world's largest money market mutual funds. With Dreyfus Liquid Assets, you have the advantage of making withdrawals by phone or paying larger bills with free redemption checks and continue earning high yields compounded daily till your check clears. You can put money in or take it out anytime with never a sales charge or a penalty. But call now, 800-228-5000 for free information and a prospectus, including management fee, charges, and expenses. 800-228-5000. Study the prospectus carefully before you invest and learn how Dreyfus Liquid Assets can help you get the lion's share from today's high interest rates. 800-228-5000. Or free, 800-228-5000. Mm -hmm.
story we have paraphrased on today's Mystery Theater once advised the Martin Hazeltines of this world to, quote, live all you can. It's a mistake not to. It doesn't so much matter what you do in particular, so long as you have your life. If you haven't that, what have you had? I agree. Our cast included John Vickery, Bernard Grant, and Evie Juster. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. He wouldn't take me into his confidence. I knew he had another life, but he kept denying it. What made you so sure? Well, he couldn't account for hours and days of his time. He'd pack up and not tell me where he was going or when he'd be back. Couldn't it have simply been some project for the war office? The last time he was away, I called the war office and I spoke to Sir Robert. He said Bill had asked for leave. And he was surprised that I didn't know where he was. So you see, Bill could have had dealings with half a dozen red-faced men and I'd know nothing about it. Of course, the two of them meeting on the train could have been a coincidence and nothing to do with Bill's death. Why do you say that? That's what I hope. If that red-faced man had a hand in it, then he knows I saw him and I would give evidence he was on the train. So he might not hesitate to do away with me as he had Bill. It wouldn't be safe for him to let me live. Oh, no, Everett. This is Tommy Grimes inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. This is Nat Wright. Stay tuned for the Dawn Patrol flight, where we'll be playing your songs all night long after the news. It's midnight. This is WIP, Metro Media Radio, in Philadelphia.